Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, yeah. how are you doing? Uh, not good. Not uh, good. And that's not my normal answer. I know. Uh, this is not going to be a normal episode for me. Um, uh, I don't... You know, I like to use the podcast to talk about movies. It's not... I don't want it to be my my therapy, you yeah. know. Uh, but I do just want to talk for a second about what's going on in my life. Yeah. Um, long-time listeners are well aware of my oft-mentioned and fairly awesome girlfriend, Teresa. But she is no longer my fairly awesome girlfriend. She is just fairly awesome on her own out there in the world. <laughs> uh, because she... Making her way in the world today. <laughs> she, uh, as is her prerogative in fairly awesomeness, has um, decided to cut me loose. <laughs> she's she's, she's giving me the old heave-ho after four years. Um, I am about to start crying, David. This is uh, this is bumming me out. But go ahead. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go into any specifics or anything, but that's right. what happened. Uh <laughs> Uh, listeners may may have heard the uh, the supplementary episode with we did with Graham Elwood. Right. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it sure uh, was. Mere hours after we finished recording, Teresa told me she wanted to be on her own. Yeah. Um, and it w- was and continues to be uh, probably. Uh, I don't know. I mean, people maybe people haven't been in relationships this long or, or this intense. Um, it's probably the most single, the single most devastating event in my entire life. Uh, and I say that knowing, as you know, and as many listeners know, that I, uh, my dad died when I was 21. Yeah. The thing is, as, when you grow up as a child, you know, you, as soon as you become aware enough or intelligent enough to understand about death, you assume that you're going to outlive your parents. Right. You don't expect it to happen when you're 21 years old and your dad's only 45. Right. You know, that's that's very unexpected. Um, so that's it's it's shocking in its own way. But it doesn't throw into question your whole worldview. Right. When you're as committed to a person and to uh, a future that you th- thought was all but carved in stone mm-hmm. and the other person, I guess, fails to turn their key on that future... <laughs> Uh, it it that's exactly what it's done. It's called into question everything that I thought I understood about myself and about what my life was going to be. Now, uh, yeah, this is a uh, it's thrown basically everybody for a loop. Not a single person, including me or even uh, like Teresa's friends. Nobody saw this coming. I mean, and and it's worth noting. Here's the thing. I know that there's probably some people out there who this might be their first thought. As far as I can tell, based on Teresa's explanation, which we will not go into detail, uh, it's nothing you did. Uh, no. You know, it's it's not, this is in no way David's fault. Uh, like, I feel like uh, some people, when they get broken up with, uh, some people tend to think like, hmm, something probably happened. They probably got in a you know, huge fight and he said something he shouldn't have and, you know, really set her off or something. It was nothing like that. This is just something, you know, just... Uh, you know, Teresa. It's as some, you something said, she just needed to do for herself, right? Uh, I mean, I question whether she needed to do it, but I might be a little biased. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, something she felt she needed to do for herself. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it, uh, yeah. other than that. I mean, 
if you listeners, uh, I might not have the same zip in my voice today. Yeah. Or yeah. even the confidence in my opinions that I usually have because yeah. uh, my my whole world has been turned upside down. Um, I don't know. I, I, luckily, I've had uh, friends and family, a great support system who have been listening to me because if we had done this last Thursday, yeah. if we had recorded this, I... Uh, I couldn't get two words out in a row without, without breaking down. Yeah, two words on almost any topic, you know, m- much less uh, the break of itself. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any more questions for me uh, uh, about it? No. I mean, you, you and I have talked about it a lot, yeah. but I just I didn't expect this to turn into an interview. But uh, but what I will say is that um, you know, uh, your attitude has been lately has been. Uh, you know, certainly bummed out, certainly depressed, but you know, you're you're also looking forward to certain things that you didn't have the opportunity uh, when you were in a relationship. Like you're going, you're excited to be living alone. You're going to be, you know, you got plenty of opportunities to go to more yeah. comedy shows uh, and catch up on some <laughs> movies. That's another thing. Yeah, oh, I just hit the mic with my Easy hand. Sorry about that. Um, yes, uh, this won't have much of an impact on the podcast itself, but I will definitely be going to more movies now, yeah. both because I have. Uh, the free time yeah. and because I need to fill my brain with something. Exactly. Um, so uh, it doesn't eat itself from within. Uh, well, you got to be able to drown out the shrieking nothingness with something. <laughs> yeah. So um, it won't really change the podcast, but expect more blogs. Oh, good. Yes. Because uh, I haven't written in a while, which had to do with, um, I mean, as again, listeners know that I every week talk about how busy I am. Yeah. I've been really busy lately. That will change a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, Although <laughs> the obligations that are no longer a part of my life are the ones that I was kind of okay with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have to work too many jobs. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that, that's what's going on. Uh, you know, um, I hope you'll be easy on me, uh, listeners, if I'm less than myself. And I will go ahead and say, because if David were to say this, again, it would come off as bias. Uh, I will go ahead and say that if it bothers anybody that David just spent six minutes and 30 seconds saying what he just said uh screw you you know uh it's that's the thing is this is a movie podcast but i also like to think that david and i bring a lot of ourselves to it and you know as silly as it sounds you kind of have to say stay true to yourself when the podcast is mostly about you and your opinions and that kind of thing so yeah. yeah if there are some people who are like i didn't tune in to hear him you know, complain about his love life. You know what? It just whatever. I, but the, I have the thing. no time it's not, for you. I mean, it's four years together. It's yeah. not. It's not just my love life. It, right. it has thrown my entire life into disarray. Right. So I, I can't help but inform every decision that I make and thought that I have right, right. now. It's that's it's my <laughs> my despair is my driving force right now. Right. Um. Uh, what, what I'm getting at uh, essentially is if there are any single women listening. Uh, who are in the market <laughs> for a for a doughy misanthrope with multiple menial jobs? You know where to find me. <laughs> well, now you're just sounding like Paul Goebel. Um, <laughs> all right, but uh, although admittedly he's a little more doughy than uh, than you are, but oh. um, what? That was mean. It's true. You're 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 coming down on yourself. You're you're a good looking guy. <laughs> Come on now. You know, if I, well, there'd be a lot of things that would have to happen to me for me to go out with you, but I would <laughs> if those did. So, um, all right. But, uh, yeah, let's, I think, I think it's time to, uh, move on to the topic, but yes, I, uh, you know, 
eye on, and I'm sure many of the listeners are sorry to hear that. And I hope that, uh, you know, in the future, uh, I hope you emphasize the things that you can do, but I know that it's going to be a long process. So, you know, sorry to hear that. That sounded, Thank you. that sounded insincere, but it's not. Um, oh, I know you. Uh, I, I've known you long enough to know that uh, most of the times that you sound insincere, you're not. <laughs> that's true. And because when I do, say, when I am actually being insincere, I'm usually putting on a voice of some kind. Uh-huh. Just like, well, good luck to you. Like that's <laughs> that's insincere. But um, now, David, so we finished up. We finished up Music Month. All right, and it was fun. It was fun. Here's why it's fun, among other reasons, is. Uh, you know, for the uh, to let some people behind the podcast a little bit, uh, when we don't have like a series or we don't have a profile episode coming up, it's usually a mad dash to be like, "Oh no, we're out of ideas. What are we gonna do?" <laughs> but when you've got a series, it's like, "All right, I know I'm covered for the next two or three weeks. I'm I'm good." Yeah. All right, and then uh, you know, and then I can just then we can just air a guest episode, and that gives us another week. And uh, yeah. So that's the good. Th- that was one of the good things about Music Month, uh, and uh, so we're gonna try and do uh, more series uh, in the future. Not not very often. And we've done some uh, of them in the past, like favorite actors and actresses. Right. Way back when we did uh, overrated and underrated movies. That's right. Yeah. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, I, I would like to actually. Ad- I wish I could just like scrub those episodes and do them again now that we. Uh, are somewhat better at podcasting. You know, that's the, but that's the thing is it's fun. I'm sure for people to go back and and listen and see how far we've come. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but we're about to start, David. You 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 had another idea for a series. Now this is just going to be a two week uh, thing. Yeah. So, um, well, let's get but, into it. Yeah, and shall you we? S- what what are, what are we going to be talking about for uh, this week and next week? David? Th- this week, uh, as those who've read the uh, description know, we're talking about uh, rewatchable movies. Right. Those movies that uh, they may not even be the best or our favorite movies. They're just the kind of movies you can always watch. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting thing because this is different than favorite movies or different than yeah. talking about the best movies. Yeah. These, because there are okay. We're going far back, so let's go back to episode number one, where uh-huh. we talk about uh, where we talked in depth about uh, The Departed. Now, The Departed was not my favorite movie of that year. I certainly don't yeah. think it should have won Best Picture. That said, now I don't own it yet, but I want to buy it because I feel like I'm going to be watching it a lot. I feel the need to watch it on a regular basis. You know, I own it, and I've watched it a couple times, and yeah. I don't even think it's that great. Yeah, but it, it's immensely rewatchable, and I feel like... You know, and that's the thing is I was making my list here. I was looking at my my uh, DVD shelves and I was writing down the ones that I find myself gravitating towards over and over again. And um, and theoretically, some people would say like, well, don't you gravitate towards all of them since you own them? No, not <laughs> at all. But yeah. uh, there are movies. I'm one of those morons who actually owns movies on principle uh-huh. and uh, because I'm stupid because <laughs> I have no problem just throwing money away. But we'll get to that next week. Um, um, but right now, it's just... Yeah, n- uh, next week, well, let's say what next week's going to be. Right. Uh, sort of the opposite. Movies that we love, but that we find difficult to rewatch or right. to watch even a second time. Right. Uh, these are usually movies that have some very heavy subject matter or some scenes of intense violence that are hard to get through. And, you know, that's the thing, is that as I was making my list here, I was looking for some kind of, some kind of theme or something, in co- a common denominator. Uh-huh. For why, okay, why is it that I can watch these over and over again? And I found a couple, but for the most part, like, like some of the movies on my list that I can watch many, many times, 
they're movies that are incredibly dark and deal uh-huh. with like a difficult aspect of human nature. And it's like I, I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why I just keep going back to them. But uh, perhaps as we talk about them, perhaps uh, we'll find what's in common. Well, let's start with The Departed and okay. Scorsese in general. Okay, actually. Because uh, I find a lot of his movies rewatchable, even Casino, which is very long yeah. and uh, kind of overwrought. You know, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's still a very fun movie to watch, and there are a couple of reasons. Yeah, one, um, and we'll talk we'll talk next week about uh, movies that are difficult to watch. Um, a lot of the movies that I find difficult to watch are movies that have a lot of violence that takes place at the expense of characters that I really care about. Yeah, um, Scorsese's movies are. Uh, often unrepentantly violent. Right. But, and this is going to sound like sort of a slam on Scorsese, um, and maybe it is, but I, I don't know. It, the the sort of postmodernism of his films or the Coen Brothers films or a Tarantino film, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the, 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 the just moviness of it all yeah. uh, keeps me from caring too much about the characters hmm. uh, in, a, in a real way, yeah. in, in an abstract movie-watching way. I understand and care for Ray Liotta in Goodfellas very much. You know, he's a, he's a he's a, a fully developed character. Yeah. But because of the moviness of the presentation of the aesthetic, hmm. I don't care about him like I would an actual person that I know. Which is uh, that that's um, you know I, <laughs> I I can honestly say like Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. I care about that character as much as if she were a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, even though, and that seems that's a weird example, I guess, um, because that's also a show that uh, that's sort of postmodern and slick and distant. But uh, someday we'll do an episode on the differences between movie watching and TV watching, and where in which I'll explain, <laughs> you know, where that comes about. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that, that that's that's the main reason, or that's one of the two reasons that Scorsese's <sighs> movies are so rewatchable is that there's a distance between you and the character. Yeah. Uh, the other reason it has just comes down to Thelma Schumacher and uh, the fact that the editing is so fucking good. Yeah. Any movie, Train Spotting is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, any movie that moves that fast, you know, mm-hmm. you're always gonna you're always, always going to want to watch it because it's essentially a way to make ninety minutes go by really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that that's the way I feel about about Train Spotting. I could put Train Spotting in if I've got an hour and a half to kill because. And I'll, I'll be at the end of that ninety minutes before I know it. Although some of those ninety minutes are uh, quite disgusting and difficult to watch, I think. But I mean, there's a, there's a cheekiness to to that film that it, I it, it's it's disgusting and it's sad and it's horrible, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'll I'll go ahead and just uh, throw out a few titles right now that these are these are movies that kind of have the same thing in common, and movies that nobody would ever think. Uh, that like oh you watch that over and over again why would you ever do that uh okay so here we go all the president's men jfk okay the fog of war and good night and good luck well i can tell you i i i'll, I'll tell you why I'll, I'll save all the president's men for last okay um jfk editing okay and you get a lot of really interesting performances it, it yeah, well that's true it's be, because that movie is so segmented you know mm-hmm. i think it it's it, and it's and it's in like short segments you know you know like well, here comes kevin bacon and then here comes john candy and you know yeah. you're gonna see like in these like slickly edited it's just, it's a movie that's fun to watch yeah um 
What else do you have on there? Good night and good luck. Good night and good luck. I'll, I'll say that one too. What was the other okay. one? Fog of War. Fog of War. Editing. Okay. That's the main reason I think editing and Philip Glass's mu- music is so propulsive that uh, I think this comes back to, for me at least, a lot of the reason movies are rewatchable movies are rewatchable is because of how quickly they move. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I feel like Fog of War flies by, which is which you wouldn't think it would, given the given, subject matter. Yeah. Um, I think for myself, because these are four, I'd say the vast majority of the movies on my list here are dialogue driven. That's what but, I was. That's why I was saving the other two for last. Yeah, uh, because that's a go ahead. Because that's well, a big I, thing for me. Though. I love dialogue, mm-hmm. but more specifically in these four movies, especially the dialogue given is just it's pure information. It's just you're you're constantly having stuff thrown at you. Uh-huh. I mean, the you know, there some of them are kind of like detective stories, you know, but I mean just there's like long monologues and they're usually not given with a huge amount of emotion. You know, they're just you know, now of course in the in the case of Fog War it's a documentary, so you can't really call it a monologue, but it is just one guy talking pretty yeah. much. And so uh and it's just for some reason as odd as it may sound, I find it some somewhat relaxing to sit back and watch these movies that, as you say, they certainly do move along at a, at a, at a nice pace. But I find it somewhat relaxing to sit back and just drink in all this information because it's a it's a fair you know it's a fair assumption. I'm probably going to learn something new every time I watch, it, yeah. especially with something like JFK. Um, yeah. But like, it, I don't know what it is, but just like Good Night and Good Luck, that is a somewhat that movie's. Not paced certainly as quickly as the others. It's actually fairly languid, but it's just these long monologues of just information just being thrown at you. And of course, some of it is documentary footage from the time. Uh-huh. And I can just throw it in any time, and just uh, just sit back and and watch it and enjoy. It. And you know, I'm not sure why. Um, I think it's not just that it's a lot of information; it's that it's well written. Um, and I want to get back to the dialogue thing in a second because okay. that's my, one of my other big points about rewatchable movies. But another thing that's, that uh, I've been th- thinking about with this topic is that I, I, f- I feel like a lot of times movies that are rewatchable are movies that are that can be appreciated by film buffs and the average moviegoer alike. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look at The Big Lebowski. Film yeah. buffs love that movie yeah. and so do normal people yeah. because it's snappy it's funny and it's got great dialogue and great characters it's right. got like that the the sort of the the sort of uh fundamentals down so well yeah and uh and i i think that yeah the, these these movies that we're going to talk about that are rewatchable these are the movies that bridge that gap among snobs and normals <laughs> when, <laughs> when it comes when it comes to film film loving yeah and uh and i would say it comes back to something that you know it's weird i it didn't even really occur to me until you mentioned it with Scorsese, just the sheer moviness of it. Uh-huh. Like for, like I'll, I'll throw out, I, I gave you this example, uh, earlier, uh, off mic, which was, I can watch affliction over and over again, uh-huh. which is weird. Cause that is a movie about some fairly complex human emotions. And you basically see a main character, uh, self-destruct, from his own inner demons and he fights so hard against them that he re- that he uncovers some new ones. And uh and of course the acting is wonderful, the dialogue is solid and but at the same time it's like why would I watch this over and I could I could watch it, you know, once a month. Uh-huh. And uh but that's the thing is 
the characters are so the performances are very solid, but they're not they don't seem like real people. They seem like there's like movie real. They're real people within the world that movie has established. Exactly. But they're not entirely relatable. Right. And so there's again that distance. And And so when he's ripping out his own teeth, you know, yeah. like it's horrifying, yeah. but you've still got it's not as horrifying as if you were actually watching a person do it. Right. Whereas like a movie like for example Shortcuts. We shouldn't talk too much about the opposite. Oh, that's what? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Let's not well, talk about the stuff we're going to talk about next week. Okay, I keep well, I keep wanting to do that. Uh, I keep wanting well, to say uh, it's not like this movie, yeah. but then we're like, oh, I'm going to talk about that next well, week. Well, I'll just I'll mention that, you know, to compare it uh, to this. But like Shortcuts, pretty much every story in that seems like real people. It's just got kind of that awkwardness of life and just that yeah. kind of like, ugh. I don't like the like the characters that you don't like in a movie like Shortcuts. They're not characters that you love to hate. They're characters that you just Ugh, I don't like them because be, yeah. because they probably do remind you of somebody in real life. Whereas like something like Affliction or something like that, even though it deals with really negative human emotions, it deals with it in in a very theatrical or movie like way. And that's why I can keep coming back to it is because there's a certain amount of security in the fact that it's like mm, I, I it touches me in a certain way, but it's never never going to touch me and make me uncomfortable in a way that certain types of movies can. Um, and that's that's nothing against the film, you know. It's just I think maybe that's you know I'd say the same with Glengarry Glen Ross. You know, those are characters that are kind of over the top, not over the top, but certainly theatrical. I mean, they come from you know a play. Yeah. And uh, but I can watch Glengarry Glen Ross. That's one. That one's definitely on my list, yeah. uh, along with Spartan. As long as we're talking. Oh yeah. yeah. As long as I mean, we're talking David about Mamet, David Mamet, yeah. uh, when his stuff is done right, yeah, you know, like I don't want to watch. Uh, well, this one, it's another one of the movies that Criterion has put out that I don't like, which is House of Games. Right, uh, I don't care for that movie. I couldn't, I wouldn't really want to watch that again. And even State and Maine, like I used to like it when I was when it came out when yeah. I was like seventeen or whatever. But I wouldn't really want to watch it again. But yeah. the good David Mamet movies, yeah, uh, like I can't even tell you how many times I watched Spartan because it's always a movie that yeah. I. When I look at my collection, just I just want something to watch. It's a movie that yeah. always goes in. And and what's weird is Heist is not that good of a movie. But if I owned it, I'd probably throw it in a fair amount. Yeah, I've watched it a lot because yeah. right, I own it. Right. I mean, when when you and I lived together and you had, it, I'm like, I'm glad he bought this because I feel like watching it. Um, well, that brings me okay. As long as we're talking about dialogue, that's okay. what I wanted to get to. One of my most oft rewatched movies is uh, The American President. Okay. All right. Uh, and that's that's the uh, that's pretty much the only reason is that uh, it's just all Aaron Sorkin-y. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's never it's not it's not a few good men where a few good men is sometimes it crosses that border into real drama. Yeah. And uh, can be it's it's a great movie, but it can be less a little less watchable. Yeah. Whereas American President, even though it has a lot of real issues and real themes and really, really good performances, mm-hmm. uh, one of Annette Benning's best, if you ask me. Yeah, no question. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, and this is even the same director as A Few Good Men, but it's just slick. And it's because it's a, a Few Good Men's a drama and American President is essentially a comedy, even though it yeah. has a lot of dram- dramatic elements to it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's slick. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. But not, uh, that seems like a, a put down, but it's not. It just, it just really moves, and the dialogue is really snappy, and the cinematography is fucking great. Yeah, and I would say, um, 
Aaron Sorkin, I, I actually, because I've been, wa- as you know, I've been watching, uh, I finally decided I'm going to buckle down, I'm going to, you know, grin and bear it, I'm going to watch all of The West Wing uh-huh. from beginning to end, and I've, I'm now through season two, so I'm really tearing through it, because when it's great, it's really great, but there are, of course, these little uh, dialogue things that I'm just like, you're adults working <laughs> at the White House. Put this stuff aside. And I understand that, you know, like, I buy this in Sports Night or even Studio 60. You're working at the White House. All right? You need to grow up. But Speak as men do. Exactly. That's a line from the West Wing. Exactly. People who don't know. But, um, but yeah, and so, but I feel like, I feel like uh, with something like a movie, you know, with a series, he can he can allow himself to do those little things. But, like, in a movie, he's got... You know, he only has two hours. He's got somewhere he needs to get. Yeah. So, like, something like A Few Good Men and The American Presence, I'd, and I'd say Charlie Wilson's War. I, I was um, going to say, yeah, even though Charlie Wilson's War isn't as good as either of, the, of those two movies. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people just didn't like it, where I, I really liked it. Oh, um, yeah. And I would say the main reason that I really liked it is Aaron Sorkin, and then after that is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that's a movie good, too. I mean, yeah. there's no question. But, but like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the, the scene-stealer character oh, yeah. there. So, and that's a movie that I'll probably buy someday and probably watch often. Uh, yes, absolutely. And it's because, you know, Sorkin, I mean, he's got, when, you know, when he is not, when he gets out of his own way and try and stops doing his little dialogue parlor tricks uh, and can actually <laughs> just, you know, write a solid film, um, it's great because, like, I mean, he does have a way with dialogue when somebody's just delivering a solid monologue because he's great with monologues. Dialogue is where he will sometimes get into, you know, make makes me want to kill myself. But, like, you know, when he's got a solid monologue like Philip Seymour Hoffman's in uh, Charlie Wilson's War, when he's, you know, talking about, you know, uh, it's like, you know, people want to kill me, people who know how. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's stuff like that where it's, it's mo- it's very movie dialogue, certainly with the American president. I yeah. mean, it's it's very it's old and it's somewhat even old fashioned dialogue. You know, I mean, in the American president, they use the term capper esque, and it certainly is that. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I mean, I remember you once described the West Wing as it's not politics as it is now. It's politics as we all kind of wish it would be. Yeah. And I'd say the way he writes, he writes in a way that we all wish we spoke, uh-huh. and uh, you know, Mamet or at least in, like, American Buffalo and Glengarry Glen Ross, he writes the way people actually talk, which is, like, stilted and frustrating. But, like, but Aaron Sorkin, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could but be isn't that isn't it eloquent. weird? This is just a little tangent. We yeah. haven't had, like, any tangents yet this episode. We'll get there. Uh, Mamet, I think, used to... Maybe he, he does sort of write the way that people talk, mm. but when he directs his movies, he does not direct them to speak the way that people talk. No. So no. I, it's weird. Like, maybe it's, like, by accident, because American Buffalo is very realistic. Very much so. With, uh... Um, Dustin Hoffman and Dennis Dennis, Dennis Franz, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other Dennis, the non-Farina Dennis. That's <laughs> odd that those are the only two Dennises you think of. Not Hopper, you got nothing for the Menace, of course. The Menace, yeah, Leary, Miller. <laughs> um, anyway, there's got to be more. Well, now there here we've got our tangent. Thank yeah, you, Den- Denny Crane. <laughs> um, uh, Denny's Diner. <laughs> oh, I hate Denny's. Um, but, um, uh, the yeah, den at my grandma's house. <laughs> you're lucky you're going through a tough time. <laughs> um, but uh, what are we talking about now? I've forgotten how we got to Dennis, Dennis Franz. Dennis um, Franz. Oh yeah, American, American Buffalo, Buffalo is, and that's uh, and for that reason, American Buffalo is not on the list of movies that I will 
be including in my list today. Yeah. That was a really shitty sentence. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. going through a tough time. Um, <laughs> and it's odd because... Um, that was supposed to be a joke. I got you. Right. Um, but, uh, so... Because uh, I know, you know what, I know the... I can't tell if the audience thinks it's funny when I say something that I think is funny. So yeah. you are my only barometer of whether or not what I said was actually funny. So when, <laughs> when I said... When I messed up that sentence and then said I'm going through a tough time, I was like, I, I glanced at you. I was like, Did, is that funny? And you weren't laughing, so I guess it wasn't. I'm sorry. Uh, honestly, I had moved on to what I was going, <laughs> what I was about to say. That's the thing: is the audience they're not talking back to us. That'd be insane. You know, they're not thinking of what they're going to say. Uh, I, I, I am. But, uh, but when I, I do not have um, American Buffalo on DVD. But I, uh, when I basically only had VHS. Uh, I watched that actually quite a bit because the character of Teach, uh, though he is written uh, in a very conversational, very realistic way, the character himself is so, you know, so theatrical in and in and of himself. If both the char- if if all three of the characters were like Dennis Franz, yeah, then it'd be a little more He's, like, ugh, okay, I because they're like I can't watch this a lot. real life losers, not like movie losers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but no. because Teach will sometimes get philosophical in a way that maybe that somebody like him maybe not wouldn't be. Yeah, um, then it's like, oh, okay, I can watch this. But if it was somebody, yeah, I mean, real life losers, it, it's tough to watch. There, yeah. There's a great movie uh, called directed by written and directed by Steve Buscemi called Trees Lounge. Oh, which I've not seen, and it's one that you know a, a movie that you know movies about like alcoholism and stuff. Uh-huh. I can watch them because they're. I can watch them over and over again because they tend to be somewhat theatrical, and it's a pro- honestly it's a problem that I haven't run across. And so, right. And because sometimes they will play it up too much and make it almost operatic. Trees Lounge brings alcoholism to just the frustrating, poor decision making, loserish street level, and uh, and it's a wonderful movie. But it's like, oh, I couldn't, you know. And see, now we're back into next week. But like, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, it's. For me, I really think like d- like dialogue, and specifically like you know just constant information like in all the president's men, um, and uh, and you know what? As odd as it sounds, spectacle. I can watch spectacle. I'm great. I'm yeah. glad you said that. Um, I'll use that as a the bridge from dialogue and spectacle because here's okay. a movie that I don't actually love as much as I used to, and I know a lot of people who fucking hate it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really long movie, too. A really long movie. Yeah. And that's Titus. Oh, all right. But because it's Shakespeare done really well, you know, by people who fucking know how to do Shakespeare. Yes. You know? And it's just got this, it's ridiculously baroque and insane, yeah. you know, like, uh, spectacle. Yeah. Uh, I can always watch Titus. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I could always watch Titus. There's only so many times I can see cannibalism before I'm like, <laughs> you know what, I think I need a nap. But it's it's presented in such a way that it's it's kind of funny. That is true. Um, although those freaking, for those who haven't seen it, all I'm going to say is those sticks. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. Th- those are that's pretty rough. I have yeah. a hard time watching that. But uh, but yeah, and the spoon. You know what? There's a lot of stuff in that movie that it's it is operatic and it's a, and it is insanely theatrical. But uh, but I'm just like, oh jeez. It's just fun I, to watch. It's like a really really long music video. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, here's one that I know that you, you're a big fan of. Um, I can always watch, and it's weird because I didn't care for it the first time I saw it because I didn't know what to expect. And I thought it was going to be one thing, turned out to be another, uh, and that's Master and Commander. Oh, yeah. That's I can a watch great that movie. 
because you know, speaking of like dialogue and uh, it's it's got great characters, strong dialogue, and just it it so creates the world that it is mm-hmm. you know showing you that you just get lost in. It. I mean, you you completely believe it. You know, there's, I mean, if there's CG shots, and I'm sure that, and of course there are, there have to be. I mean, yeah. they do not call attention to themselves. You really just feel like you got plunked down in the middle of the ship. Let me talk for a second about just about that movie. And I'm going to compare it to a movie that I will not be talking about next week because it's a movie I don't like at all. Okay. And that's Miami Vice. Okay. Both movies are, uh, I mean, Miami Vice is probably too long. Master Commander is a little long, but anyway. It moves fast, though. I'll yeah, say it, here's the thing. They're both movies that essentially have two action sequences, one at the beginning and one at the end, right? Yes. Um, the The action sequence, the the attack on the ship at the beginning of Master Commander is so visceral, you know, and 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 terrifying, and you know, uh, gripping the edge of your seat to mix metaphors, yeah. <laughs> uh, that it keeps you interested. But also, the movie, even though it gets sort of, it's very dialogue heavy and sort of even like philosophical and lyrical at points yeah because of the nature of what they're doing they're chasing the ship yeah it keeps you always on the edge of that could happen again like yeah. that that the the next one of these action sequences could be just around the corner so yeah. it feels like it's all part of an action sequence yeah. even though it's a very much a dramatic and, and very talky movie it's it's episodic but all in the course of one lo- one goal yeah and you never know when right they're gonna get shot at with cannonballs again. There's going to be splinters yeah. flying in, into the camera and just insane. I, I watched that first action sequence, action sequence again uh, not so long ago, and it's it's so good. Yeah. My advice, on the other hand, is you're just wishing there was another action sequence coming, but you know you're going to get like 13,000 more shots of lakes and speedboats and real estate <laughs> before you get to see someone get <laughs> shot again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's one where there is no, I mean... There's kind of a an overall goal, but just you know, an episodic thing. Those those can those can kind of drag on for me if there's not like one, even something. Well, I guess I guess it's not the same like with something like coffee and cigarettes because those are a series of short films. Mm-hmm. But there is a theme to all of them, and that's you know all all you need is like one overriding theme, and I'm on board for the whole you know. But like Miami Vice, as much as I do like some of it. Uh, it just didn't have that. Like I was like halfway through. I'm like, wait, wh- is there a thing? Is yeah. this something new? I forget. But um, but yeah, I mean, Master and Commander, and like, and I can watch Bridge on the River Kwai, or even La- maybe not so much Lawrence of Arabia because that you know that does have like we were discussing that does have some challenging elements to it. Because but again, it's very. I mean, I've seen him several times yeah. over the over over different, uh, you know, different times of my life, uh-huh. and there's still that huge enigma at the middle of it that's like, I still don't know who this guy is, even yeah. a, a little. But again, it's and this is something that David Lean was very good at. It's it, it's the spectacle, yeah, you know, because much. there's so much just gorgeous sweeping shots and amazing locations, you know, and yeah, and like with you know with. 
when you when you hear like watch the special features on Lawrence Arabia or Doctor Zhivago, and you realize how much time went into like like going out and combing the sand back over so yeah. to, to get rid of all the foot, you know, and you think, oh, you know, a person who hadn't seen the movie would think, oh, that's such you know Hollywood excess, but it's all in service. It's absolutely oh, yeah. worth it because, and you see that you see all the time and money in every shot of both those movies. Yeah. Uh, and here's another thing, uh, spectacle wise. I, w- I want to talk about actually. I first. I got the idea for this when I guess two weeks ago when we talked about musicals. Yeah, I mentioned how often I have seen and loved to watch the Music Man. Okay, um, and musicals often for the spectacle thing, and if they have good songs, yeah, c- can be very watchable. Another thing that's the one that's both that I love that we also talked about two weeks ago is Moulin Rouge. Yeah, because it's got so much spectacle and it's so much. It's just so fun to hear, you know, Roxanne as a tango song or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just a, such a fun movie. Yeah, I mean. Now let me. I mean, to I'll change gears a little bit, but like, you know, there are some people who are like, "Oh man, every time I watch something, I see something new," and that's a legitimate thing. Uh-huh. But like, what about something like a? I mean, because there are some comedies that are kind of that I can watch over and over again. But you know, there are some comedies where a lot, some of the laughs come from the fact that something happens that you were not expecting. But if you come to expect it, like, how many times can you watch it? I don't know why, but I can watch Airplane over and over again. But I've seen it enough that I know what's coming. I remember all the jokes. But somehow I can always watch it. I mean, do you, are there is there anything like that for you as far as comedy specifically? Because so much of comedy is is unexpected. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's true because I can watch The Big Lebowski over and over again, and I know I know where the jokes are, and they're still funny yeah. to me. You know, yeah, yeah. I got a rash. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but. Uh, I'm trying to think about comedies. Like, I'm trying to think if there are any comedies that I liked and then watched again, and were like, "Oh well, I guess I got everything I needed to get out of it." It doesn't well, really happen. I, I still find the jokes funny, but that's. I, I don't know if that. I don't know if that makes me normal. I think that's part of me being a comedy nerd. Because I can go to see, uh, you know, I like when when you know we had the friends of the show, the Sklar Brothers, before they were recording their CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, Sklar Maps, their second CD. Right. Go it, go and get it. A special thing. Records. Astrecords.com. Whatever you'll find yep. it. Um. Anyway, before they were recording their CD, I saw them around town a lot doing those bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had them like almost memorized. Yeah. And it it didn't stop me from enjoying them. So I think that's I think that's part of us being comedy nerds that we can yeah. laugh at the same shit over and over Com- again. Like comedy Cause we nerds. Because we we like the craft of it. Yeah, comedy nerds and movie nerds that you can you can watch and you can appreciate the execution of it. Like one of my, you know, speaking of the big, big Lebowski, one of my favorite lines is not, it, you know, everybody talks about the dude and Walter and Jesus. And, and of course those characters are all wonderful, but possibly my favorite line from it comes from David uh, Huddles. Is it Huddleston? I don't know. He plays the big Lebowski. He plays the other oh, right, okay. Lebowski is when, uh, when, the dude is trying to calm him down. He's like, hey, man, nothing is fucked. And he goes, nothing is fucked? The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. And, this, and the way he says it, and it's just, the line like the line is funny. The way that he's yelling it is funny. But then he's doing this thing with his hands that he's just, he's just like, like, he's, like he's crumpling up a piece of paper. But he doesn't have anything in his hands. And it's just like little things like that where I guess you do notice something new every time. But... Yeah, you can appreciate the 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 craft of it. Whereas something like, honestly, you, I remember when it came out, I saw Meet the Parents, and and that was, and I remember laughing quite a bit, you know. But it's you know it's that kind of laughter of like 
embarrassment comedy where you're like, oh my gosh, how worse is how much worse is this going to get? Um, and then and I remember just I laughed a lot and I was like, man, that was that was really funny. And then I recommended it to you, but then I and then after recommending it to you, I saw it a second time. And that one, because so many of the jokes are simply like, uh, the situation just got worse, like, because so much of it was, was that, it's like, well, uh, th- there's there's some craft to it, but not nearly as much as something like, you know, Big Lebowski, you know. Yeah. And so the second I time I saw it. I hated Meet the Parents. Yeah. I mean, the second time I saw it, I was bored. Like, I didn't even laugh. I didn't laugh once the second time I saw it. I wasn't just bored. I was angry at that movie. Let okay. me talk for a second about that movie. Okay. Um. Yeah, I like the sort of comedy of discomfort or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I like, you know, on like the British office. Oh yeah. Uh when David Brent gets himself into a situation, you can see how with this character, with the laws of the way he works and the way this world works, that's what was going to happen. It's it, it's inevitable that yeah. he gets himself into these situations, and that's part of why you come back to it, you know, yeah. and that's part of why it's funny. With me the parents, there's so much shit that Ben Stiller's character could have done. To to head this off, yeah, he just needs to fucking explain himself, yeah. you know, and not be such a fucking like spineless tool, you know. And, and that's why the only scene that I like in that movie is when he goes off on the stewardess because he's it's fucking sticking up for himself yeah. for once in the entire movie. I have a I actually have a similar problem with a movie that is not a comedy. And to further uh, go on uh, the tangent, but that's fine. We gotta f- fill some time. Yeah, I'm um, out of movies. So. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thankfully I've got a longer list, but that's fine. Um, it, that was that's always been one of my problems with Harry Potter, is that like for example in Goblet of Fire, like he's sitting he's standing back and everybody is talking about like it's like the Goblet of Fire it's a binding contract it's like hey I don't want to be in this contest so I'm not gonna be it's a binding contract what does that mean are you gonna throw me in jail you don't want me in this thing. I don't want me in this thing, but he just sits there while everybody else is discussing what he should do, and he never speaks up. Well, and see, that happens a lot. I think. Now, I, I think you're viewing this as an adult. Okay. I think you need to put yourself in the mind of of, a, of an awkward, uh, somewhat outcast fourteen year old. Yeah. If 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 the school is telling him that it's a binding contract, then that's the word of God for all he's concerned. But also, I guess there's also like his, and I, I there's also like his friends saying like why it's like like Ron like why'd you put your name in there, and like he def- he may defend himself a little bit. like I don't I'm not I don't recall if at any point he says I didn't put my name in there. But that's the thing you are thinking of it as as an adult, and this is part of the, I mean you need to read the books obviously. It, yes, but I mean this is that's part of the the story of the of the seven books of Harry Potter is the story of. Uh, of a teenager you know growing into an adult yeah and at that point in his life he feels like everyone tells him what to do and that's the way it is when you're in high school and you're 14 years old everyone's telling you what to do he doesn't really have that voice and he probably doesn't even have that confidence especially among his friends and 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 people like Dumbledore he doesn't have the confidence to stand up and say I didn't do this. He's being told this is what's going to happen to you, and he's as a as a student. And maybe I'm bringing some of my own bitterness about being a student. Yeah. Uh, as a student, he's in a constant state of submission. And I guess uh, yeah. And that's the thing is maybe I'm bringing me as a student into it, where like even at a young age, if I didn't do something, I will freaking <laughs> just. It doesn't even matter how insignificant it is. I just be like, no, no, that's not what happened. Like to the point, it's like, okay, that's uh, you've gone on too long now (laughs) but um 
but yes, okay. So that was that was a tangent. But uh, and oddly enough, you know, as much as I just railed against them, I can watch the Harry Potter movies any any of them. Yeah, any time of the even the first the one, Definitely. even the first one. Yeah, and uh, and of course that's one. I mean, you, you even I mean you know exactly what's going to happen. You know who's going to die, and es- and especially with the books, that's a con- that's that's a concern. People say that like don't now that the books are done. Okay, no, 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 no spoilers ex- for, for no, no, no. There for Half Blood Prince. Okay, but like people say that now that the books are done and everybody knows what's going to happen. Like people are worried that the box office for the the remaining movies are going to fall off. And I don't think they will because the movies are just as much about the style as they are the substance. I think. and the movies are, are, are their own thing. Yeah, um, it, people who know what's going to happen want to see how it's going to happen. And there are many, many people like my friend Tyler Smith here who are following the story through the movies who have not read the books. That's right. Though, for the record, that's something I'm consciously doing. I'm not against reading. It's something no, I know I you're want. not. But okay. I mean, there are plenty of people who want to see what's going to happen in the sixth Harry Potter movie. Yeah, who haven't read the book. Yeah. Okay, I don't think I needed that tone, but that's that's fine. Um, the, tone, the tone wasn't for you. <laughs> I know, I know, it's fine. Um, yeah, I. Uh, and you know what's weird? I mean, as you know, from glancing over my uh, DVD wall there, you can see that I have a lot of Disney movies, more than a lot of people our age, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, Jen and I justify it by saying that, uh, oh, well, someday we're going to have kids and we're going to want to show them these films. We watch them on a regular basis, <laughs> and we certainly will show them to our child. But, uh, and I just, uh, and I can watch, especially Pixar. I can watch almost anything Pixar does over and over again. I mean, I can't wait to see Wally a second time. But like the Toy Story movies, I just because they're just because that's a mixture of everything we've been talking about. They're so well written, the characters are so strong, but and of course it's so visually gorgeous yeah. to look at and they move so fast but it's it's such it's so removed from the world that we're living in yeah. that it's just we well, mentioned the movement and I, i'm not talking about just the the way a film moves is editing like i did at the beginning of the show but uh, a big thing about animation is the movement yeah. is so much fun to watch i just uh just the other day i i saw kung fu panda finally yeah. at, like, at the discount theater because that's a good way to not think about how much your life sucks for an hour and a half is to go see a kid's movie um and that's when I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I enjoyed it so much because the action sequences are so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's when it when an animated movie like realizes it's like, hey, we're an animated movie, we can do anything we want. Uh-huh. I mean, that's that's something that I think Pixar. I mean, it, Toy Story, of course, can't have talking, you know, talking toys in real life. Yeah. So they they did that with their first few movies, but like certainly with like The Incredibles and Finding Nemo and Wall-E. I mean, they really explore yeah. how much oh, they can do with animation. The the the, the big like chase through the the ship, yeah, and uh, in, in Wally, you're going in and out of like all the people and all the other robots, and it goes yeah. on for so long, you know, longer than than a real camera could do that take, and it right. does movements that a real camera couldn't do. I mean, they've done a, a good job of approximating that type of stuff with yeah. uh, some of the flashier, like the Matrix, the, in the Matrix Reloaded, the. Uh, the car chase in the highway where the, the right. camera swoops down and goes underneath the semi and then come like that's, but that's not real. <laughs> no, no, that's, <laughs> they, they, uh, they didn't really do that. And it's, it's a trick, <laughs> you know? Uh, but at least that, that, that seems in, I, I'm a defender of the matrix reloaded. This is the second half of this episode is all tangents. That's fine. Um, and, uh, especially that action sequence, like the, the, the showiness of that camera movement, it, it works for the scene, for the movement of the scene. Yeah. It's not panic room. Which 
is just oh, fucking yeah. god awful to me. That yeah. the camera goes down the stairs and then it goes to the kitchen and it goes through the handle on like the teapot or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just so like like it does a couple of those where like it will go like through a pipe into the panic room and like something like that you could make the argument that's like oh it's showing how impenetrable how impenetrable this panic room is but when you're going through a tea kettle you can't justify yeah, that one yeah just and all you're doing is uh, the whole audience even people who aren't big people who don't know anything about movies and don't know how cameras work they yeah. know that a camera is too big to go through <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be operated through uh, the handle of a tea kettle. Yeah. So the whole audience is thinking, oh, how'd they get the camera to do that? Th- why do you want your audience to be thinking that in a movie? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, up until Zodiac, I mean, I was not a big fan of David Fincher, but he handled I like that. Seven. Yeah, Seven's pretty good. But, like, he handled Zodiac so incredibly well that, like, yeah. I'm thrilled to see what the next thing is. You yeah. Because I think he's matured immensely. But, like... And Zodiac has that big unbroken take at the beginning where it follows the letter. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, but that's because of a that fucking awesome like the music that's like so sets the tone yeah uh, that 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 scene is just like the beginning of goodfellas or the beginning of touch of evil yeah uh um not the beginning of goodfellas but the bro- unbroken take you know right. it's setting a scene you know yeah. and it's setting not just the scene but the whole world of the movie with with the music and the 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 outfits and, yeah. and the way that uh newspapers get mail instead of email <laughs> <laughs> um now i wanted to uh yeah, we can probably start wrapping up soon, but I wanted to ask you this because in terms of like being able to watch a movie over and over again, some would say okay, movies like Usual Suspects and Sixth Sense that have a very clear twist ending, all right? Some would say that you could probably watch it twice. You watch it once when and you see the twist and you're blown away. You watch it again to see to watch it with the with you know through those new lenses of like yeah. oh this is how it actually is, um, and yet somehow like the two movies the examples that I used I could watch Usual Suspects over and over again, and yeah. and what's weird is I don't watch it with the lens of of oh he's you know this guy's Kaiser Soze you know yeah you forget yeah and, and that's just because it's a good movie and uh, same yeah. with Sixth Sense I can have watched that movie multiple times yeah uh, I, I really truly love that movie yeah uh, I don't know if that makes me a, a Philistine or whatever because it's not I don't a, think it's so. not high art or anything but that movie is awesome yeah uh, amazing fucking amazing yeah <laughs> you know and I think <laughs> sorry that's the, I th- yeah there was, there was a lot you just kept adding more I, I was thinking about something else and I was hoping that you would get the reference but uh, then I thought why would I just want to make a reference just for Tyler We've got a whole audience. And I'm not in the right frame of mind. I'm not in the right frame of mind. Yeah. Uh, my my entire world's been devastated. Cut me uh, <laughs> some fucking slack. I've cut you slack. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not, Again, that's I'm for not the listeners. On, yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, I think I, you know, I think what it comes down to is like, for me, like the stuff, because yeah, I mean. Sixth Sense and Usual Suspects, they just have a great style to them. I mean, they you f- clearly feel the director's hand because he just he creates some, these strong characters. He puts you in this world. I think that's, you know, and, and, you know, in the most recent supplement, Graham talks about how much he doesn't like Lord of the Rings and he hates King Kong and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like those movies even though, even though I see his argument because, to me, Peter Jackson, I mean, you know, speaking about spectacle, but what's more is Peter Jackson creates such he he creates this world from out of thin air. I mean, he's a guy, you know, speaking of like using 
the effect, you know, using special effects uh, in service of the story and in service of, of putting you inside this world. He always does that, I feel like. Yeah, and, uh, I don't care as much for King Kong as, as you do. Yeah, I uh, I know. But that's all right. King that's Kong, right. essentially, it's... Um, I was talking earlier today with some friends about the movie Fat Girl and how much I hate it. Yeah. And, and like I think I said on the show uh, when we talked about Fat Girl way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, um, possibly on the Overrated Movies episode. Uh, yes. Maybe it was just Movies I Hate episode. I don't know if we did a Movies David Hates episode. but No, but I, <laughs> I could say Overrated Movies could probably be that as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I said, Fat Girl has one fantastic wordless sequence. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with the car moving down the highway where it's constantly surrounded by semi-trucks and it's just so like, it 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 makes you so anxious and, and it's, it's such an oppressive feeling that it's it's an amazing sequence. It's an amazing short experimental film in the middle of a terrible movie. Yeah. King Kong has that thing on the ice on the pond. Oh, yeah. And that scene is so gorgeous, uh, you yeah. know, that that's, it's a great short film in the middle of a just big old waste of money. <laughs> and a movie that uh, expects me to feel sympathy for King Kong. Uh, I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him. No, he's uh, uh, maybe I'm m- maybe Pete is going to write me a letter, but uh, he's a big murderous fucking ape. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I feel bad that they took him out of his yeah his homeland, but he was a big fucking a- a- murdering asshole there too. He was just. He's lonely, David. Oh, gives a fuck. <laughs> He's got. He doesn't have the brain power that we have. He doesn't process lonely. He gets lonely for a second, and yeah. then he, he finds a you know something to play with and eat. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, play with for a while and then eat. So, yeah, I guess um, I'm, I'm no friend of the animal rights uh, movement. I guess not. Um, Had a delicious BLT last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and but to me, like story, like story aside, I mean, I do. You know, I I feel like I'm in Middle Earth, or I feel like I'm on Skull Island, and then in like that 1930s New York that Peter Jackson creates. Like it's just yeah. the the movies that I think I return to over and over, even something like JFK, which takes place in reality. Like just you know, you're not going to find a lot on on my list here. You're not going to find a lot of like just journeyman directors who just get in, make a movie, and then get out. Like you will find directors who have firm control over the film they're making because yeah. they they know what they want to do they know the effect it's going to have on the audience and that's what they you know and that's what they do yeah. and so joe dante is another oh uh, yeah a great guy like i could even his somewhat lesser movies like inner space i could watch inner space any day of the week <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's a good example i could watch i could watch any of his movies yeah. uh, over and over again and i'd say probably the same goes with the coen brothers even something as you know, uh, thematically complex as, uh, you know, no country for old men, even that I can, I could watch it over and over again because structurally and the is, it's so perfect, you know, and it, yeah. and it looks so good. I'll gorgeous. never watch intolerable cruelty again. I know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's I don't, like, I probably won't watch that one. It's like, it's like the greasy, it's like if I went to KFC and they and they gave me the greasiest, most disgusting meal I'd ever had, okay. and then I would I would never go to KFC again. Yeah. And I don't go to KFC very often because that sort of thing tends to happen. Yes. But it's like that times times three or four, I guess. Uh, <laughs> just something really greasy that maybe really upset my stomach. 
that's what intolerable cruelty is like. Like like the worst imaginable meal from KFC that you could ever have. And then you would never go to KFC again because you would always think about the fact that, you know, it gave you diarrhea. <laughs> and that's how I feel about intolerable cruelty. It's, this uh, <laughs> metaphor is interesting to me. Maybe that's not the right word. <laughs> but uh, it's certainly happening. That goes without saying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's that's the thing is there seems to be some kind of for, – for myself, I mean, we've, we've kind of identified – what we gravitate towards, but there's, you know, there are some movies that I can watch over and over that, that don't fit into any of these categories. You know, maybe it doesn't have the best dialogue. Maybe it isn't a big spectacle or, or create this amazing world. There are probably some movies like that, that I just still, I just can't help, but watch them over and over again. And I don't know, there is kind of this X factor that I can't put my finger on, you know, like why do I so badly love watching quiz show or reversal of fortune? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why with Reverse of the Fortune either. Yeah, I mean, but I just keep returning to I it. I can't think of any Barbet Schroeder movies that I would want to watch. I'm not I'm not itching to watch Barfly or Our Lady of the Assassins again. Yeah. Like, both movies that are really great. But or Desperate Measures. I, I, th- I, think, uh, I think you're on your own on Reverse of the Fortune there. It's a good movie, but I don't have any desire to watch it again. When you say, <laughs> on, when you say on my own, do you mean just you? Or do you mean uh, other people as well? What? Do you mean like you mean like uh, you think everybody has abandoned it, or is it just you? I'm I'm saying, I'm saying you might be the only person who, who wants, to, wants to watch the movie over and over again. And that might be just my natural tendency to love a really solid actor do, turning in yeah. a really solid performance. Um, and that's yeah. Sometimes. Hey, and I, I love to watch an actor that I share a birthday with. Wh- who is that? Jeremy Irons. Oh, really? Yeah, September nineteenth. Oh. My birthday's coming up, listeners. I know. So, uh, you know, <laughs> start making your lists of what you're going to get them and, uh, you know, make them feel a little better. But uh, anyway, you all right there? <laughs> we're recording uh, because, of course, my I, I don't live at the place where I used to live. Right. Uh, we're not recording at the place where we used to record. That's right. We're at Tyler's place. Uh, yeah. This is the first episode we ever recorded here, I think. We tried to record one once. It didn't work. It did not work, And yes. we did the Paul Goble show here. That's right. Um so what just happened is um, uh, Jenny appeared out of nowhere, Tyler's wife, and uh, it startled me because I didn't know that she was home. Ah, yes. No, she's here. Um, <laughs> she's right over there. But uh, all right. Well, we've been going for a while. So uh, so yeah. And of course, next week we're going to talk about, and I think next week is going to be an interesting topic because as I said, you know, there are movies in my in my top 10 mm-hmm. that I don't watch very often. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's going to be interesting and perhaps a little surprising to some people that, uh, well, we'll save that. Well, next yeah. Week. So uh, any uh, any emails, of course, you can send to battleshippretension at hotmail.com. You can join the Facebook group. And, of, uh, of course, you can always go to the website. We've got uh, a new movie that we recommend every week. Uh, and then, you know, we've got the blog. We've got videos from our various guests. And so uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do there. So, um Yeah, so thanks for listening, and and, uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.